Hello and welcome to Daddy OFM, broadcasting live from New York City. Joining us today in the studio is fashion entrepreneur Simon Locke. We'll be talking order, fashion week, and the changing face of the business of fashion. I'm your host, Jonathan Bookerville, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, Simon, and welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Jonathan, unreal on a cold day in New York. Always good to be inside. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's a freezing fashion week, and I have a, you know, I, I, I worry for all the fashionistas out there with very little on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what brings you to New York? Uh, well, like uh, the rest of the fashion pack, uh, we're here for uh, for Fashion Week, yep. working with the designers that we're working with and uh, trying to find some new ones. Yeah, great. And um, so let, let's start at the beginning. And Simon is, is one of the great innovators in, in the fashion business. Uh, he's the founder of Australian Fashion Week and uh, founder and CEO of his new business called Order. Uh, do you want to give, give us a brief rundown of order just to see what to get to know what you're doing now and then I'd like to talk about where you started and, and how Australian Fashion Week uh, started and, and how you grew it and how it's become like the the mainstay of Australia that the Australian fashion industry is now. Sure well I mean basically I spent all my life working in the industry and around fashion weeks which are primarily glamorous trade shows yeah. showing wholesale collections of the best designers in the around the world to, to retailers to buy those wholesale collections and then six months later they arrive in store and you know over the last decade we've just seen incredible change that mm. the digital sort of revolutions happening on the industry um, buyers aren't traveling designers aren't able to get their collections um, seen as they used to be able to so so really we thought that there was a better way to do the business of fashion and uh, to create a, a global marketplace where we had the best designers in the world being able to showcase their wholesale collections in beautiful online showrooms to the best retailers in the world. Um, and that, in a nutshell, is basically what uh, what Ord is all about. And, you know, we've been up and running sort of three or four years in development. Okay. And uh, we've been live for the last 12 months. And, okay, uh, that's, yeah. that's great. And and I think the, the, the timing of it is, is perfect and, and the, the start you've had and coming into like the announcements recently of Burberry and Tom Ford completely changing the whole structure of how they do business with the bringing their shows twice a season and then releasing the, the clothes for sale the next day, I think you're perfectly placed to take advantage of this new well, emerging yeah, we model. Well, yeah, we were, I guess, fortunate enough to, to, to really be in a position to see this coming. Yeah. There was no doubt about it. I mean, the, the minute really that 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 um, you know, phones were allowed yeah. into fashion shows right. and those images were being carried out by Facebook and Twitter right. and Instagram. And, of course, it immediately generated consumer demand. It was like, oh, my God, I've seen this new outfit. I really want to buy it. Now, of course, you can't buy it for six yeah. months. So it Which was is only, crazy. I know. And it was <laughs> only a matter of time the designers were going to go, hang on, this is crazy. We should show on the runway what's available in store to capitalise on this, all this social media. So, of mm. course... We knew this was going to leave a huge void. It's like, okay, well, we still need to sell our wholesale collections in six months earlier. How yeah. are we going to do this? Right. And, you know, why don't we, we go back to doing it behind closed doors so the public can't see it and also the H&Ms and Zarias can't copy right. it. Um, and, uh, and, and obviously the obvious solution to this was to create a, an online marketplace globally. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was our little organisation that, that went about doing it. And, and here we are. And, and you know... We're just, you know, it's just so nice to see this change happening right in front of our uh, eyes right I, now. I, and we're ready for it. We're yeah. here at the marketplace. Yeah. We've already got 80 designers on the platform. And yeah, it's, it's really, really heartening. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, my, my, my heart skipped a beat when I saw the story on, on the business of fashion about Burberry because I, I just thought it was so fantastic that they're... they're, they're bypassing basically the the establishment because that that delay was set up so the editors could see the collections have time to shoot the the the, the, the fashion stories and have them come out three months later and and but that the whole timing is gone it's been gone for a long time well you know that that initial thought you know which was the driving force behind the establishment of the international fashion mm. circuit i mean it all came out of a thought basically out of the second world war when when paris and, and france was trying to get back into a strong economic position the government right. was was really had some force on it okay we're going to have as a platform of marketing communication luxury and and you know fashion and wine and you know all the designers came 
came together to form the first Pret-a-Porter collections right. um, to establish all the buyers to come twice a year to right. Paris. And then, of course, that was such a success that, you know, then Milan followed and then New York and then London and then, you know, a number of other fashion weeks around the world. But it was all based on let's show to the buyers, let's get Vogue magazine here. They'll take photos. Six months later they'll print the edition. That'll come out and those photos will drive people in store. Now, that was a perfect, you know, paradigm for business back in the 40s and the 50s <laughs> and the 60s. Um, but, yeah. you know, it, it's it's not meaningful anymore no. because of this little invention called social media. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, it, it is it is right. I mean, I, I actually thought it was going to be Karl Lagerfeld who was the first to to to, to do consumer shows. But right. you know, uh, Christopher Bailey at Burberry always been an innovator yeah. digitally online, and he was the first to make the move. And you know, we've seen Tom Ford follow. We've seen you know one of the big designers we're working with, Paul Smith, following. So you know, it's um. Yeah, it's and it's going to happen really quickly. Let me tell you that that you know there's thousands of designer shows that happen in all the major fashion weeks around the world and over the course of the next you know two or three seasons we're going to see them all change from showing wholesale clothes to retail clothes and you know this is the opportunity that 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 all has been created for to capitalize on that change i think it's like a, a really exciting time in fashion now and um because it, it it it's felt like it's it's almost coming to a head of 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 this big change and then all of a sudden it seemed to come out of nowhere. I mean, I was in LA last year when uh, Burberry and Tom Ford both showed, showed in off LA the back of the Oscars, and, yeah. and I thought that was an amazing innovation and an amazing change and you felt that shift then. Like they, it was so outside the established uh, cities that I thought it was a great move by both of them. And, you know, we just saw, um, you know, Heidi Salim and, uh, and Saint Laurent right. um, show in L.A. yesterday. That's right. Um, you know, at the Palladium yeah. and you brought the house down. Everyone yeah. there from Lady B. Cranet through to, <laughs> through to whatever. And, like, you know, he's just gone, you know, I'm not showing in Europe, not showing in uh, in New York. I'm going to do my own thing in L.A. Right. And, and, you know, there's there's sort of rapidly becoming no rules mm. as basically the, the structure of the business of fashion sort of changes. Everyone's, you know, thinking of what path they, they want to take. But regardless of what path, the end of the, at the end of the day, that designers will need to sell their collections to retailers. I mean, you know, not every designer can be um, like Burberry and have their own stores. They've right. got to rely on department stores and multi-label and Net-A-Porter to buy their clothes first to be able to sell them. So so no matter what they do in a consumer sense or what they do socially online, there's still the business of fashion that needs to be done mm. behind the scenes and, and hopefully we're going to be part of that solution going forward. I think you're you're perfectly placed for perfectly placed for what's coming up and and I think it's it's started this season and from here here on in it's, it's the whole the fashion industry will be completely different the way it does business, which I find really exciting. Um, but that's a, a good point because I want to take us back to Australia and back in the day because Australia, Simon Simon uh, was the, the founder of Australian Fashion Week and and that basically changed the game in Australia. It turned it into a much more professional uh, professional business and and it gained attention to uh, uh, to Australia from overseas buyers. And now we have great designers from Australia showing and selling all around the world. Tell us about how um, uh, uh, I, you can also... Simon actually has written a book about that time, of, which is called In the Front Row, which is available on Amazon. Um, but uh, tell us about how Australian Fashion Week started and what was your inspiration to, to get that off the ground? Well, it was, uh, it was funny. I guess it, it, it came from two perspectives. One, I had a, an amazing grandmother who was, <laughs> uh, who was incredibly... Uh, um, interested in, in clothes. And, and when I was a, a young boy, I used to marvel at her um, shopping habits where right. she would go out twice a year and buy a, a new wardrobe, come home and basically send the old one off to St Vincent's. Right. And I'm just like, Nan, what are you doing here? And she goes, well, you know, that's spring, summer and that's finished now. I've just bought my new autumn, winter clothes. Uh. And I was just fascinated by this so 
cycle of of you know built-in obsolescence right. sort of thing of the fashion industry. And so so from a young age, I was sort of intrigued by this this fashion thing. And then and then you know the catalyst to get involved in the fashion industry actually you know it came Jonathan from your brother, um, <laughs> young this Simon is a family show. absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you know I was uh, running a, um, a sort of successful PR company in Australia, and then this young brash twenty three year old kid basically <laughs> walked into my office who fresh off the plane from coming back from yeah. London and he had a whole swag of fashion clients right um, and uh, we got together we became business partners that was a company called uh, called spin which yeah. um, really to a certain extent bought the the fashion marketing communications model to Australia for the first time Simon had been working in Europe with people like Lynn Franks of course the, yeah. the founder of absolutely <laughs> fabulous yeah, exactly. and 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 so together we built a business spin and we started to work with a lot of the fashion lines that were available in Australia mm. and including a lot of the big Australian designers at the time, time people like uh, Joe Saba, and and it was through that that I became fascinated with with the International Fashion Week circuit. Yeah. That, you know, Joe and others would be saying to me, "Oh, gee, if only we had a Fashion Week right. like New York, London, Paris, Milan. Right. You know, I can't take my clothes over there and try and get recognised. If we had one here, we can get the buyers here." And and you know, that thought had been kicking around in yeah. the industry for a number of years, but I, it just intrigued me, and, yeah. and I started to, to research what the International Fashion Week circuit was, and I really discovered that, that you know, it was an incredible mechanism at the time for, for, for growing and developing, you know, fashion brands and to generate huge, you know, commercial outcomes. And, and there was really only four in the world, London, mm. Paris, Milan and New York. Right. And so that was it. And nothing really in, in, in the Southern Hemisphere at all. So, you know, I sort of took it upon myself to, uh, to go, okay, well, we're going to st- establish the fifth spot on the International Fashion Week circuit in this far-flung case, place <laughs> called Sydney, which really had no reputation internationally yeah. for fashion. But I guess, you know, Simon and I particularly knew that there was an immense amount of talent in the Australian designers yeah. and, you know, and, and and we were so right. I mean, yeah. you know, look yeah. at Zimmerman, look yeah. at Dion Lee, look at yeah. Tesla. I mean, incre- incredible designers. And, uh, and so, you know, it took about you know, four or five years to hone the concept and the strategy. You started working on it in about 92 and then we had the first event in, in 1996 mm. where we became the fifth stop on the International Fashion yeah. Week circuit and, and you know, the event is uh, just celebrated its 20th anniversary and, you know, is now part of the fabric of, yeah. of how the industry, not just in Australia but the Southern Hemisphere operates. But, of course, like New York Fashion Week, it's going through incredible changes as well and and the changes it's experienced were really part of the inspiration for development of order as well yeah because we had um uh romy freeman on from starmy romy recently and uh, she mentioned that the the australian fashion week was transitioning to uh, to doing resort or a different timing well it's interesting when i established the original dates for it it yeah. was uh, in may yeah. um to so that we could use our spring summer collections in australia and promote them into nationally as resort collections um, and uh, I sold the event um, a while ago to IMG yeah. and they pulled the dates back earlier into April but they've now resurrected the old dates and so it's back to where it was and and it is an opportunity for Australian designers to to use their spring summer collections um, and, and, and call them resort to go into the northern hemisphere right. but the, the issue is that that you know, that is well-meaning, what th- that thought process, but unfortunately, um, you know... We, the we, game we, just changed. The game, the game has changed. I mean, yeah. look, you know, at, at its peak, you know, Australian Fashion Week used to get about, you know, nearly 300 international buyers attending the event. You know, last year we had five, you wow. know. So it, it's just not working. Wow, I mean, okay. buyers are not going to travel all the way to the other side of the right. world, take 10 days out of the schedule right. in the hope of finding a number of new designers... Things have changed. There used to be budgets to do that. Yeah. There used to be time to do that. Yeah. Um, but that's before, you know, we, we found ourselves in a world where designers are producing four collections a year, pre-fall, autumn, winter, resort, spring, summer. They're, they're, they're in multiple showrooms around the world. They're, the buyers are travelling everywhere. Yeah. They're in a market. They've got no time to really do anything. Yeah. So, so the thought of, oh, I'm going to take seven or ten days out of my schedule to go to Australian Fashion Week has gone. Yeah. So I've just uh, 
called on the Australian fashion industry to, to really think about embracing these new changes yeah. that are happening around the world and completely throwing the wholesale model out, yeah. <laughs> um, moving the event till August yeah. and using the event to showcase um, what's arrived in store yeah. to help designers sell those clothes. Now, you know, the CDFA here in, uh, in New York is working with Boston Consulting t- to do that right now. Right. We might see next season or the season after New York completely change its model from a wholesale to a consumer event. And yeah. I, I'm calling on the Australian fashion industry to do that now. Yeah, to do it first. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. I, with with the, the heavy hitters that have just... It came as a bit of a surprise. I mean, did you did you hear rumblings of this change? Oh, look, we, 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 we've been out actively promoting this change yeah. for, for a number of years. I wrote a right. big uh, opinion piece on the business of fashion about 18 months ago okay. called Rewiring Fashion Week. And at the time, it, it, it generated quite a bit of international <laughs> conversation yeah. because it was very controversial. You know, that's when I actually thought it was going to be um, uh, Karl Lagerfeld. Right. Should have gone, should have backed Chris <laughs> on that one. But... Um, but, uh, yeah, so we've, we've been out there talking about this change yeah. um, because, you know, I've, I've once Australian Fashion Week really got to be very successful as an organisation, we became um, really sought after. So we started right. to work on uh, Fashion Weeks all around the world. Yeah. And, and not always did we develop a wholesale industry model sometimes, mm. and we did this in Singapore, we did this in Hong Kong, and to a certain extent in Dubai, we actually generated a fashion week around a consumer model. Right. So, so some of the early versions of consumer fashion weeks are actually produced by our organisation. So, right. so we actually, I actually could see where it was going. Right. And then, of course... You know, we were also one of the early organisations to really embrace bloggers into what we were doing and online, and we could see this change coming. And, you know, it didn't really take... You didn't really need to be a rocket science to see where it was going to end up, but you know, I guess we just had, yeah, we had the uh, the vision or the guts to back ourselves yeah. to to see these changes and want to do something about it. And that, and that and that's what I'm finding here on Daddy OFM as we we bring in these creative creative people. It, 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 it's finding that self-belief in your an idea you have and driving forward and seeing it to the end and seeing seeing it come to life and seeing it happen and 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 it's, that's a driving it, it, very few people have the ability to to pick up an idea and go with it and and I've been amazed at your success and uh, continued success over the years because I was I think I was sitting in front row next to to Simon and my brother at the Many original <laughs> at the original fashion week and it's just been enjoyable to to see it go to go from from where it was in those early early days to to where you are now and then you know astride the international world um I know that the department stores in Australia have their own uh parades as we call them in Australia what's that is is that part of this direct to consumer yeah. model look I think um, what uh, you know, David Jones and Maya, and and not just those department stores, but other department stores around the world. I mean, yeah. they've they've realised that that what fashion weeks have done, they've created a huge consumer demand for 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 the public to yeah. want to sit in the front row, yeah. to want to attend yeah. these amazing, spectacular, yeah. interesting mm. um, fashion events. So what department stores have done all around the world and have done it for many years ago, hang on, well, we're going to have our own fashion yeah. shows and we're going to invite our customers yeah. and they'll get really excited yeah. and they'll see all the girls on the catwalk and they'll go shopping. Yeah. So so this is this is not new. And so, so certainly retailers already do... Um, you know the uh, the consumer fashion shows, but but now what we're going to see is, is is all the designers and timing changed and and, and and following suit. But but yeah, you're right. David Jones and Meyer have had a healthy rivalry in Australia yeah. for many years, um, and they have produced um, these um, multi-label shows yeah. of, of the labels they stock. Now you know I think what will happen in Australia, in fact, is that their spring summer collection shows, which they do in um, in August, you know, should be incorporated into to what the new vision for Australian Fashion Week is. And, and certainly, you know, we, we do a lot of work with David Jones and Maya within Ord, and that's something that we'll be encouraging as well. And what, what I loved about when uh, Australian Fashion Week uh, first started, it, 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 it brought the local designers into the minds of Australian consumers as equals to the internationals and created this demand for uh, local designers rather than 
you know, people that were interested in fashion were always just getting going to the imports. But then, then through Fashion Week and and all the press and and seeing that how creative Australians are and how 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 creative the fashion industry is and and bring it to a wide public, uh, Australian designers became be, became as desirable as the international ones, and and that's continued to this day, and and it's allowed great designers to to emerge from Australia, I think. Look, I think that's also a phenomenon that we see happening around the world. I yeah. mean, you know, here in New York, you know, it used to be all about the Parisian designers. Right. But then it was, you know, in the 70s and the 80s when Holston right. came onto the scene and others. And one of, the, one of the reasons that U.S. consumers were attracted to U.S. designers is because they were having some international success. Yeah. And yeah. I guess this is relevant to the Australian designers yeah. too. Once the Australian designers started to have some success in New York and Paris and elsewhere, mm. it, it, it gave them more kudos back home yeah. um, to be able to compete with the internationals that had been coming into the market. So so I think that that perception and that international view um, that Australia, you know, the Australian Fashion Week was helped to develop for, for the designers in terms of developing their exports made them heroes back home. Yeah. And, you know, for designers... You've got to have a good business in whatever market you live in to be able to be a good exporter. So, so uh, that really helped to develop more market share for the Australian designers as a result of that. Yeah, and and I know uh, with Australian Fashion Week, it, it, it had its ups and downs, and and you were sometimes a controversial leader leader of it. But I, I always have faith in you because I knew that 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 from from your heart that all, although that it was a business that that the the main drive of you doing Fashion Week was to to expand Australian fashion. It was a belief in the talent of the designers that was the driving force that um, that drove you. It wasn't for, for personal gain, but I think the core the core thing that you had was a, a an absolute belief in, in Australian fashion and desire to make it um, uh, readily available worldwide. Well, look, I think that was that was certainly. Um, you know, absolutely part of the ambition. I, I really felt that, you know, I could be a catalyst to, to help support the Australian industry to grow and develop. But also, f from my personal perspective, there was also another element of it too. Um, I, I was a very fortunate to, during my early childhood to, to live overseas for about five years right. and, and travel with my parents. And we travelled all, all over the world and I went to school in multiple locations. Yeah. And I, I was really... Um, I guess upset yeah. by the way that the, the the international attitude towards Australians and Australia was. You know, we were very much seen as a you know a nation of the great unwashed. Right. We, were, we were a great place to come and have holiday. We had great beaches and minerals and energy, and we were good sports people. But yeah. but there was there was no appreciation of, of any culture, any art, any you know creative sort of yeah. industries, and I, I, I that didn't sit comfortably no. with me. So so you know the fashion industry, as does the creative photography industry and the art industry and the wine and yeah. and these other industries have the ability to sort of change the the international dna of a yeah. country so so for me yes i was you know passionate about wanting to support and grow the industry but also as a way to tell the world that hey look at us yeah. we are really clever we're cr creative and we can compete with the most sophisticated industry in the world and so you know i think you know the, the promotion of Australian fashion globally has helped to add a, a, another side of who we are as a country and mm. as Australians internationally. Mm. And I think it, it's it, it's partly due to the I think it's the E3 visa, but the, there's a uh, there's a there's a bit of an Aussie revolution going on or, or, or invasion going on in the last five years in in New York and now LA. There was Australian, especially in fashion and, and in in restaurants and and especially in coffee shops. Uh, there's the the, the you know the flavour for uh, pardon the pun of, of Australia was available in 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 America again and New York and Australians seem to be taking over everywhere it seems yeah and and, and it's it's you know there's a 
a, a, a sort of a, a new innovative and creative culture yeah. to, to, to that, which is great. I mean, you know, once the only ambassadors we have were the Australian cricket team, right. you know, and so it's nice to think <laughs> Oh, and that, Paul Hogan. And Come on. of course, yeah, and of course, you know, it's good to see that. But that's all they thought we were was Paul Hogan and that well, was... Well, it's interesting you say Paul Hogan because that campaign mm. um, was one of the things that I had to battle when I first came right. here to America but to... Uh, to um, gain interest from the American buyers right. and the American media for the Australian industry, because the Paul Hogan campaign had just broken, to, you know, toss a shrimp on the Barbie, oh, it did. Wow. and and it was just like, you know, you know what? I mean, people <laughs> wear thongs in Australia, and yeah. there's that horrible guy trying to toss shrimps on yeah. the Barbie. I mean, yeah. what makes you think that there's any fashion in this yeah. country? So, yeah. so you know, oh, that must have been such a hurdle to 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 jump over. But it wasn't just the hurdle. <laughs> I mean, I, I was having to deal with, you know. Um, you know the the Australian government and right. and you know here in New York and elsewhere in the world and even our our bureaucrats were like you know oh this will never work no right. one will ever understand right. this is fashion blah blah so you know there was a lot of cultural changes but yeah. but but what happened is the talent shone through yeah you know you know Akira is a gal broke new yeah. ground Ethan Pearson broke new yeah. ground Sasson Bide broke yeah. new ground and then it, it just continued with a cavalcade mm. of, uh, of of really Great designers. Now they weren't great Australian designers. They were just great designers. That's right. That's right. Um, and and the world appreciated that. And you know we've now got about you know twenty five thirty or so designers. You know making a mark from around the world. We've got Ellery showing in Paris. We've got you know Tome and uh, and Zimmerman showing here in New York. It's yeah. Uh, it, it's great. Yeah. No. It, it's uh, it's very exciting. And you should you should be very proud. Um. I, so so Australians do have their own sense of style and their their their, their own feel for fashion how, how would you describe the Australian style yeah I, I guess it's I guess it's a bit like our country in, in in that there's so many inspirations to draw on but sort of both culturally and socially yeah. that that it's really an, an eclectic mix I mean we're we're fortunate to be a country of a great ethnic diversity from you know the first peoples through to all the the immigrants that we've had and that's brought a lot of culture to us and then you combine that with an amazing environment which mm. has, you know, incredible differences from, you know, the snowy mountains through to the beaches. Yeah. And then you combine that with a, a social freedom. Yeah. You know, there's not the yeah. traditions of, of England or posh culture yeah. in Europe. There's this sort of social freedom. So you bring all that together. And, and, and vora I think voracious consumers of yeah. fashion as well, that the Australians are dying to see what's next and what's, you know. So I think there's this, you know, Australian style is difficult to describe, but mm. I think it is really a, a sophisticated casual chicness that uh, that you know expresses you know creativity and freedom all in one, and yeah. and uh, and you know the designers that that are doing well around the world. When you look at the you know the incredible tailing and structuring of people like Ellery and Dion Lee, mm. and then you compare them to some of our resort swimwear lines, they're very different. But I think mm. there's a there's a there's a wonderful spirit that connects yeah. them all. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you, I think you know you know American fashion, you know British fashion, you you know French fashion, but I think you know Australian fashion now. I think I think it, it has defined itself over the last twenty years, which is which is really exciting for. For all the, 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 the for the Australian fashion industry, I think, and let's uh, come back up to, to speed. And we're in New York. We're right in the heart of New York Fashion Week. This week is about to kick off today, actually. We did, yeah, first yeah. show this morning. Yeah, and um, there was the the big show at uh, Madison Square Garden with Yeezy, and he and uh, and you followed that quite closely. And uh, and tell us a bit about that, and and how you think that's going to change and, and affect the the industry and how things are. Uh, presented well look I think you know it's really part of this uh, this shift I mean and, and the biggest thing we saw in terms of um, focusing towards consumers is what Givenchy did here in uh, New York last season uh, where they made 2,000 um, tickets to their fashion show available to the public and at the time and this was sort of outrage oh my god <laughs> for how? sale or were they just um, no they gave they them away gave them away, gave them away. Right, gave okay. them away online um, and it was part of you know Givenchy coming over here and opening their big online boutique and they decided to show in New York rather than Paris they invited the public and you know shock horror I mean you know it's supposed to be just the buyers <laughs> I, and the I, media 
media. This is what I love about it, this thing, because it, 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 it's such a revolution, you know. Exactly. It, it's and like I guess, storming you know, the Bastille. You know? And Kanye is very close to um, um, the designer of Givenchy, so right. I'd imagine there'd been a conversation there. And, you know, he's, he's garnered a lot of controversy yeah. over his shows in New York Fashion Week over the last couple of seasons anyway. But this year he took the whole thing to Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know. And was the place packed? Was it? Yeah, it was yep. thousands and thousands of people. Wow. And, uh, you know, he uh, he presented his uh, his new collection. And, wow. of course, you know. Um, sorry to interrupt, but were, they, were the tickets available online or was it uh, was it how open to the public yeah, was I think, it? Yeah, I think it was first in, first serve right. online. I think it was, you know, it wasn't like 50,000 tickets right. or anything. I think it was like two or 3,000. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, certainly enough to, you know, to fill up the forecourt yeah. at Madison Square yeah. Garden. Um, and, um, and, yeah, so. And what a statement to, to do it at Madison Square Garden, the, you know, the world's most famous arena home of the Knicks and the, the Rangers and 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 now this collection. I think it was an amazing move and a, and, and a know, great And statement. it's really interesting because when you look at the, the ready-to-wear part of that collection, the actual clothes, yeah. they're, they're pretty inaccessible. These are not clothes for, right. for, for everyone. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, body-conscious jersey shapes which, yeah. are, which, are, which are really quite you know, out of the norm, I guess. Yeah. Um, but really... You know, this whole collection, this whole vibe is about the shoes. I mean, he's got right. this huge partnership with Adidas. With Adidas, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, the Yeezy brand shoes is just, you know, look out Nike. So, yeah. so um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's a very clever marketer. Yeah. His clothes has a niche appeal, yeah. but everyone wants to slice the action why, of the why shoes. Why do you think... Um you know, uh, uh, Kanye's not happy about how he's being received from the fashion world. Why do you think there there has because I, I you know I've seen seen these collections and they and they look great. And why do you think it hasn't maybe stuck as much as he hoped hoped it would do? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, he's had quite a controversial conversation with Fern Mellis, yeah. who used to be the head of New York Fashion Week, and 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 Fern was was. Um, Really felt that he was a bit of an upstart, and that you know but he that, didn't but have that's a fashion. Yeah, and that's he didn't have a pedigree of design, and, and uh, <laughs> you know was it was more a collaborative stylist, I guess. Right, right. Um, but you know, but Kanye is also you know he, he's he's attempted ready to wear before in Paris, yeah. and has some great collaborators on that. Um, you know, there's no doubt that he has some talent, but you know he's. He he's he's Kanye for God's sake. Yeah. Everything he does, he's yeah. going to be you know he's going to be yelling about how good he is yeah. and what he's doing, <laughs> and he's going to he's going to alienate some people, yeah. and other people are going to love him. So, yeah. but you know what? This I is, love him and hate him. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is what every great designer should be doing, right. creating controversy around their doing. So yeah. you know, I, I, I'm I mean, a huge supporter of what the, he's doing. Yeah, and the idea of the upstart designer, I think that's what what the, what fashion was all about. That's what Yves Saint Laurent was when when he first well, started. Exactly. I mean, you know, the the whole and and even you know. Christian Dior be, be yeah. before him with you know the whole new look. I mean you know it, it's every time there's been a great designer, it's been someone who's an upstart who's tried yeah. to change yeah. the system or change yeah. the look. So so uh, yeah, I mean perhaps history will treat Kanye more kindly. <laughs> well, he will be president, so uh, <laughs> exactly that. we've got that to look forward to. Of course, how could I forget? I can't wait to see Kim as a first lady. Look out! Um, but I think his, his collaboration with with, with Adidas is, is is just going to be unstoppable. And and um, and there were, he had a bit of a, a thing of falling out with Nike, and so coming back with um, with this line for Adidas, I think is going to, will be great, and that will that will sell very well. And uh, I'm, I'm I hope he stays in fashion and keeps going because because he's such a, a good voice and a, a different voice to have there. And it kind of I like him pissing people off, even if he pisses me off. Sometimes. <laughs> Um, so, can you talk to us more about uh, the business, the business you started, and, and and take us through the actual process of it, of, of uh, say your first approach to to a new designer, and you present you, you present this new model of, of them selling their range. Okay. Yeah. Well, just perhaps I'll just give a you know just a fleeting background to to the fashion supply chain, which is important. Yeah. And, and let's just focus on uh, on one season a year. Let's just focus on uh, spring summer, which yep. is the collections. That um, that uh, that have arrived in store now, but but what um, what happened is last September, August September, um, those collections were shown to uh, buyers. Before that, um, in uh, July, June, July, um, all the designers went to a big fabric fair called Premier Vision in Paris. So they went there, sourced all their um, um, 
fabrications. They then made up their sample collections. They showed those last September to all the retailers. The retailers bought them. Then they went away and produced them and then they've been delivered in store. Mm. So that's sort of the, the fashion chain. Right. So um, what we're seeing the, the to happen at the moment is usually the fashion shows would be shown back in September where yeah. we'd be showing wholesale, but now they're all changing to be shown when the clothes arrive in store. So so we're not actually changing the way the fashion industry operates. All right. we're doing is we're changing the timing when we show the clothes. Right. So we're going to show the clothes when they arrive in store, not when they're being bought by the retailer. Right. So that's in, that's in essence sort of how it works. So what we saw as an opportunity if all the fashion shows were going to be at the end of the fashion cycle when they're in store, then designers needed a platform to be able to showcase their wholesale collections around the world yeah. instantaneously. Yeah. And, of course, the only way you can do that is online. So so we work with the designers at that point. We develop digital assets for their collections, which are all the looks and all the different views of a collection. So a buyer mm. can look online, understand the texture of fabrics yeah. and the detail. And th- and that th- this this is what I find is interesting. Um, in the past, that you you'd make an appointment with the agent and you'd go and then you'd be able to touch and feel the fabric and see the clothes. And uh, what are you using to to convey visually the texture on on an yeah. on, on an online thing to make it? It's, it's a really good point because to be able for, for them to spend that amount of well, money. Well, exactly. You know, we're, we're talking about orders that are hundreds of thousands you know, yeah. at times, and so our entire focus on order is. Trying to overcome every day the hesitation yeah. uh, commercial buyers will have with about buying something online without actually touching or feeling it. Mm. So, the things we're doing at that is we're introducing 3D photography. Right. So, you know, um, 360 degree yeah. photography of every outfit. We're introducing, you know, super zoom yeah. so you can really see the detail all over. We, we're introducing incredible. Um, newly developed touchscreen technology which will allow you to you can imagine sitting in front of your laptop now and you're looking on screen at a particular piece of fabric and you'll have a touchpad in front of you and actually you'll be able to put your hand down and touch what the fabric is like so it's through incredible fiber optics um how do you mean does it feed back yeah basically what happens is i haven't even heard of this technology it's 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 you scan a piece of fabric yeah and through fiber optic technologies it mimics the, the strands of the fabric on a pad. So it's quite wow. incredible. Um, and these are new technologies we're looking at. We're also That's looking, amazing. Yeah, quite yeah. incredible. I mean, look, we're, we're hoping um, at some time at the end of the year to be able to do um, a trial with this new technology, mm. which will be great. But also we're working with uh, Mark Zuckerberg's company, Oculus Rift, right, yeah. uh, the virtual reality. I was just so about that, to see, suggest that because yeah. we've got... Um, our, 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 our entertainment and tech reporter, James Dimmick, uh, is coming uh, on soon because he tested the Oculus Rift and, our, and we're going to talk about that and, and how I think it's going to be a, a game changer worldwide and, and, and the, the applications for it, are, uh, you know, and so to, to hear that you're working with it, I think, oh, is fantastic. Oh, absolutely incredible, yeah. So we're, we're working on software um, at the moment which obviously feeds the, the Oculus Rift goggle um, so that uh, a buyer will actually, you know... Um, log on to uh, the old platform, plug in the Oculus Rift goggles and be able to walk into a showroom. And, and, and you know, the next um, um, step of that will, you know, per- perhaps they'll put on a special glove the and gloves, they'll be able to yeah. leave out and, and touch and feel. And to see so, how, how the fabric moves and yeah. how the dress moves. And, and of course, you know, that, 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 that movement and that draping is very important. Mm. So video is very important what we do as well. So, so all these things are designed to um, you'll be able to showcase collections properly. Now, it's not our intention to, to, to ever stop that touch and feel, to yeah. ever stop that direct conversation going with the, uh, with the uh, designer between the retailer. But, you know, these online tools will be, will be there sitting alongside all that activity. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, very exciting. I'm like, uh, it, 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 we're living in a very exciting time. The changes are coming so rapidly and are so amazing. And the, the adaptability of, of the industry and the innovators in the in industry are, are impressive. And you have to be able to, to adapt so quickly now because it, it, everything has changed. Well, it's and really fun. Just that the one thing yeah. that, that I love about this time is that 
I, I'm really fortunate because actually, you know, you and I are of a similar age and we're, we're a really lucky generation yeah. because you know why? We, we grew up in an analog era. I know. And it's our generation that's transforming every industry into a digital yeah. era. So, so from here on, everyone's just going to be in a everyone's, digital yeah, era. But yeah. it was our generation right. that did the transfer. Yeah. So that's why I find so fascinating about being involved in this time of the of the, of the fashion industry. Yeah. I mean, you know, I grew up with you know old-fashioned line sheets and ticking the box <laughs> on what you want to place an order and having yeah. to go into showrooms to see it. Yeah. Um, and we're now transforming the industry through this incredible digital revolution. And it's our generation. And no other generation ever will have this opportunity no, again. That, so that, it's exciting. No, that's foot in, in, in both worlds. Both camps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember sitting on, on, the, on Portobello Road with my... With my Motorola flip phone and with the red with the red numbers, thinking what an incredible world I lived in <laughs> that I didn't have to sit at home or rush home on the tube to check my answering machine, and I could sit at lunch and have a phone. and And now we're we're in a world where you can live stream to the world with Periscope, and um, it's it's such an exciting time. and to And to be part of these changes and to and to see them put in place is is fantastic. Yeah. And so order is um, is worldwide now, and, and you have offices around the world. How, how what's the structure of it, and how how have you set it up? Yeah, we uh, we did a lot of our back end development, our initial work sort of off the radar, um, based out of Hong Kong in okay. China, which was really good because a lot of what we're doing there's a lot of sort of intellectual property protected around it. So, right. so in our development stages, we were based out of there, but now we're fully operational and we have offices uh, in Paris and also mm -hmm. here in uh, in New York and mm -hmm. uh, and a growing staff. So yeah, it's uh, really exciting. That's great. And, and and that office is to um, is to interact with the designers or is it to interact with the buyers or do the buyers solely Both. work on 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 online Both I mean you while while our business is online and all our attractions are online yeah. you know our relationship is directly with those retailers and those designers yeah. so you know we've been here in New York today we've just come from uh, Wes Gordon's studio we're working with uh, you know, amazing uh, young American designer who's who's about to do something completely revolutionary <laughs> tomorrow it, it, I know Oh yeah that's exciting yeah, 10am tomorrow oh, he's, really? he's launching his collection live on Instagram. Oh, wow. Um, so he's really embraced social technology. Yeah. So there is no show. Yeah. Um, and it's wow, an incredibly okay. exciting visual um, that's going to go out. And then, of course, that's going to go be loaded straight up on order and every yeah. every retailer around the world is going to be able to see it instantaneously. So some really exciting stuff that's happening. And can you, can you, are, you are you willing, well, th this will this will come out after Fashion Week, so there, there will be no spoilers. Can okay. you, can you, um, can you share with us how that format will work with. yeah well it's really interesting because uh, normally you know Wes would do a traditional fashion show that, yeah. you know, with models walking up and down the catwalk and away you go so what he's done this time is that there's sort of you know nine different parts of his collection and he's done an incredible mini little fashion film on each right. part okay. in different locations around oh, well. New York where the initial inspiration was yeah. and they're being progressively streamed live over Instagram uh, tomorrow and then we'll compile all that and, and put it out globally on, uh, on order amazing amazing and you want to Tell us about some of the uh, designers that you are working with, from from the the top ones to some maybe some exciting new discoveries that you've made. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the, some of the top designers we're working with are people like uh, Vivian Westwood and Paul Smith, um, Alexander McQueen, which we're very excited mm. about here in New York. Jason Wu, Prabhu Gurung, some really good uh, good stables. Um, and yeah, we're we're equally as excited about uh, some of our new emerging designers, particularly mm. some of the Chinese designers, oh, okay. um, because we're curating out of Shanghai out of Beijing, some amazing new designers out of Copenhagen, yeah. um, Bruns Bazaar and others. So so the idea on our platform is that is that not only will there be all the established designers that all the retailers want to buy, yeah. there's also new and emerging that they yeah. want to discover. And, you know, a classic example is Copenhagen Fashion Week. It's just like, you know, um, all the big buyers just do not have time to go to right. Copenhagen no. Fashion Week. So our fashion director's gone there, sat through, you know, 10 days of shows, 70 yeah. showrooms, and we yeah. picked two designers yeah. um, that we're now showcasing on all. So we picked the absolute best. So so we're doing it in markets all around the world. And, uh, you know, hopefully, um, as we're doing in Australia, you know, we work with uh, we work with Ellery, we work with Dion Lee, right. we work with Ginger and Smart. Um, but also one of the emerging designers there, Strateus Colucci, who's absolutely knocking it out of the ballpark. So, so you know, you can you don't have to go to Australian Fashion right. Week. You can go to all now and see it. So. <laughs> and can uh, right and and so, 
you can go to order and, and, and isn't that see crazy? The I mean, I started yeah, that. I, I started that, that event, and now, but yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, the world's changed. <laughs> but it has, and 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 and, it, and everything's so small, and and like, and like you said, there were four fashion weeks before, you know, New York, Paris, London. There's 237 fashion weeks around the world. That's what I was going to, my next question was how many are there? Are there 200 and what? 237. What's the most obscure? For want of a better word. I think Cardiff Fashion Week in Wales. (laughs) (laughs) That hot bed of fashion. Exactly. Uh, Sorry, Cardiff. I know we have a lot of Welsh listeners. (laughs) Um, Wow, that's great. That's that's amazing. And... um, and, and, and like an Australian Fashion Week, I, I believe, really kind of uh, opened up all these other ones to the idea that you could do your own one and that, it, then the, that by doing your own Fashion Week in your city, you, you, you brought new designers to the world. And I, I, I remember um, I thought a game changer in Australia was uh, when Mercedes-Benz came on board with uh, Australian Fashion Week and because it suddenly signaled to the world that Australia was an interesting and viable market and a place to find designers. And then it also opened up Mercedes-Benz, the idea of pairing itself with fashion, fashion. which I thought was really interesting. How did, how did that uh, collaboration come well, it to was, be? It was a very interesting story, actually, and uh, uh, how it came about. Because I, I was, um, in the early days, I felt as though we really needed a naming rights sponsor. Yeah. Um, that in itself was unheard of. There yeah. was no sponsors associated with any other fashion weeks at that stage. And so I thought there was great commercial value in linking a prestigious um, sponsor with uh, with a fashion week, and what happened, and uh, you know, I guess it's uh, it's part of folklore now. Yeah. But, but we you had can been read ne- this in the, in the book in the front row. <laughs> we had been negotiating with BMW, right. and uh, they um, had basically agreed to become the naming rights sponsor um, of Australian Fashion Week, and we were called into a meeting to sign the uh, legal contract with them. Yeah. And what happened at that meeting is BMW's lawyers basically pulled the rug from underneath us and said that, you know, we want to go ahead with this, but um, we're going to sign a three-year contract, but we're not going to pay you for the first year. <laughs> so, you know, if everything works out, we'll start paying you from the second year. And, you know, we were at this stage, I think we were 11 weeks out from the event. Right. And, and this funding was absolutely critical, along with all the industry and the government, everyone else in support. And it was, this was a catastrophe. Yeah. And so I kept my call at that meeting yeah. and I said, well, look, okay, can I just have 24 hours to think about that offer? Walked out of there absolutely fuming. Mm. I spent the rest of the afternoon um, trying to get through to the switchboard at Mercedes-Benz till I got <laughs> hold of the CEO of Mercedes. And I, and I eventually did a wonderful yeah. gentleman by the name of Bernd Schleckham. Yeah. Um, and I said, you don't know me, but we have a common en- enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I want to, I just want to just absolutely cream these guys. Oh, right. And he's like, what the heck? And I said, I need to see you now. And, and yeah. uh, coincidentally, the Mercedes-Benz offices were actually quite close to um, BMW's headquarters in Melbourne. He he deemed to see me. Yeah. He was a wonderful old gentleman and he was responsible for Mercedes-Benz alliance with the music and the right. arts and it was right. all very, you know, um, cultural things, yeah. basically for old rich people yeah. who could afford them. Yeah. But he was quite a visionary and he knew Mercedes was going to change. Mm. And he said, you know what, we need to be younger, we need to be more fashionable. You know what, yep. We're going to do it. Yeah. And basically within two or three days we'd put together a, a contract. They signed up for five years to be uh, uh, what was then uh, um, Mercedes-Benz Australian Fashion Week and, and away we went. Yeah. And it was such a successful partnership that after a few years, um, Bert and I took the whole concept to Stuttgart. Yeah. Uh, we presented what we'd done in Australia to all the other Mercedes-Benz marketing directors around the world and the rest is history. I yeah. mean, Mercedes-Benz then went on to sponsor <laughs> something like 17 yeah. fashion weeks around the world and yeah. it, it all came out of the relationship that we developed uh, in the on the other yeah. side of the world. But that's what I love about Simon Locke and why he's on Daddy OFM is because he believes in what he's doing and 
you know, many other people would have just gone, oh, oh, okay, we'll miss out on the first year and, and you know, it's straight in, we're new, and we'll, but we'll get those two years and we'll make it work. But instead of that, he was like, fuck them, I'm going to go to their <laughs> competition and screw them over and, they, and leave them with egg on their face and look at the huge opportunity they've missed out on worldwide for, 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 for brand recognition and, and tying themselves into fashion because they tried to screw you and Australian <laughs> fashion. Exactly. And look, you know what, we, you know, in a way I'm happy I did because the relationship with Mercedes has been a glorious one and, and, been amazing, uh, some, and something you know, I'm very proud of. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so I want to talk a bit about a bit about you now, Simon. And as it is freezing cold here, and um, and uh, uh, one thing I I have I have I've found by even in the few episodes I we've done here is that people's personal lives and their their, their hobbies and outside interests have, have really kind of um, bleed into their their way their way of life and their creativity. And uh, as it's freezing cold in New York with snow on the way and everything, Simon's an avid skier and I want the... the Passionate the, beyond belief. Yeah. Uh, tell us about how your skiing career and, 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 and that, you know, because I know you ski all over the world year round and, and tell us about this passion of yours. Well, it's, uh, I guess, a passion that was really born in me from my father who was one of the early pioneers of a ski resort in Australia okay. called, uh, called Mount Buller and I had yeah. the great fortune to... To grow up there as a kid and and, and just became a, an absolute love and, and, and passion of mine. Mm. And uh, as I developed uh, my business life, I decided that uh, that I also wanted to uh, to have a you know a, a real involvement in, in skiing. So um, my first business was in fact um, a ski shop which I opened, oh, which, yeah? which ran for seventeen <laughs> years, Pro Ski. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I decided that while I was developing my company in Fashion Week, that that I would also uh, embark on a career in being as being a ski instructor, right. so we had a place at Mount Buller, <laughs> and uh, and so what I do for the months of uh, um, June, July, August, and September mm. each year, I'd base myself at Mount Buller with my kids, um, and we all go down there. The kids went to school at Mount Buller, and I worked as a ski instructor three days a week, <laughs> and I got all my qualifications. So I'm a level four qualified full cert instructor and a level two race coach. Wow! And uh, and so I've always taught skiing as yep. well as having uh, my business career yep. um, and uh, it's also become the, the glue for the Locke family right. I mean you know my children have all grown up skiing um, you know I've got a, a beautiful newborn daughter now yeah. and my yeah, eldest son is, uh, yeah. is 27 and wow. it's all it's all you know we ski together and you know we come together yeah. with skiing is a great passion it's really the, the, the glue that holds all our family together and, and uh, yeah absolutely love it and uh, yeah well I don't don't have any time this weekend, but as soon as Paris Fashion Week's over, we're heading for the Alps for a few days. So, oh, you are well yeah, done. Looking, well looking done. for that. And and, and do you, uh, and do you think your love of skiing has influ influenced the way you approach business and 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 that sort of thing? Is there is there a, a risk element? Are you you know? I, I know that like like when I, I love snowboarding, and I and I know I look down a very steep hill and can't wait to jump off it and go straight <laughs> down. And and and, and does that does that sort of fearlessness you learn? With, with being a skilled, you know, that fearlessness through preparation and skill, do you think that's bled into how you approach um, business at all? I don't know. It's a very good thought. I haven't really <laughs> thought about that um, uh, before, Jonathan. I think, I think skiing and, and, and the environment of being in the snow uh, works for me in a different way right. because it provides me, I guess, a... Um, a a place right. that is 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 sort of a place I can go that's a bit more reflective yeah. and a bit more away from the hustle bustle yeah. and sometimes the the formality and sometimes the frivolousness and, and sometimes the mad capness of the right. fashion industry. So, you know, it allows me to, you know, at times to go back into the boot mm. room at ski school right. with my mates who right. are plumbers and carpenters yeah. and come from a completely different yeah. life. So, you know, I think it's more that element of, 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 uh, of keeping me sort of grounded sometimes you know yeah. so maybe Absolutely. it's a bit of a, a balance and thing. that's that's also very interesting because I, I've, I've listened been listening myself to a lot of uh, podcasts as well and I recommend um, entrepreneurs on fire and, uh, and a thing that constantly comes up with entrepreneurs and successful business business people is is taking that moment of reflection and taking that moment outside the business to, to find calm and peace and and you know daily meditation and and I, I know there's moments where you 
you come off the lift and you and you just sit or sit down as a snowboarder stand and you're on on top of a mountain seeing a view that 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 no one else gets to see if you don't do skiing you know and you're not going to climb up that mountain but if you ski or snowboard you can stand on the roof of the world and, and look across the alps into italy and switzerland and the sense of peace and connection with the world, um, I think, is amazing that that brings to you. So that's uh, that's yeah, sort of I think quite it helps because I find you know quite often that you know my, my team around me in different parts of the world be going you know okay Simon wh where do we go next you know <laughs> where, 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 what what's the next step yeah. after this and yeah. then, and then sometimes you know I I don't always know you know okay what is the next step but I, but I know that if I just you know mm. I just think about the problem and I just you know let it let it come to me yeah. you know yeah. and it might be because I'm out running or yeah. I'm doing some exercise or <laughs> I'm skiing or something and I, I just know if I give myself that that time yeah. that it, it will come, yeah. you know, and uh, and I'll be able to get that clear-minded direction as to where to go next. Yeah. I mean, perhaps it always doesn't come as quickly well, I, as some I, people yeah, might well, like. Well, I don't know if you 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 are aware of this, but it's also something I've learned on on several podcasts is is that the, the studies that have done on the brain recently they've discovered this thing called the the default mode network, which is 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 a um, it's a way that the brain works is that that it, it it takes in everything you see, the subconscious brain takes in everything you see, all your influences, all your daily life, or whatever you're looking at, um, television, news, uh, the, the nature and everything, it all puts it into this cauldron and your, your subconscious works on the default mode network is mixing this all together and bubbling up ideas. And, and it's when you're doing these things that just slightly distract your mind enough to like skiing or, or running or... or or, or playing ping pong, or, or, or knitting, or folding laundry, and it allows your subconscious mind to, to allow these ideas to bubble up. And if you don't give yourself that time to to get away from the the uh, you know the hustle and bustle, <laughs> for want of a better expression of 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 work, then it doesn't allow the brain to work the way it does. And and if you give this this your brain the space to do these things, amazing things can happen. Yeah, I mean, I I, I can really relate. To yeah, that. I think that's uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and yeah, it's really interesting. And, and I I will link to it on on and and of course uh, every the Daddy OFM Facebook pages there will be links to everything we've discussed today. And I'll link to the podcast that mentions is because I find it a very interesting part of creativity and uh, and I since this new I've, I've started to encourage that part of the brain and, and give give that that give that place a to allow ideas to bubble up, and so that's that, it's, that's a fun. And that's where Daddy OFM came from. And that is where Daddy OFM <laughs> came from. It's like sitting there late at night, just and then I'm like, no, I should do a podcast. And then and then one idea leads to another, and and the, and instead of you know you know okay time for bed, I I stayed up and fueled it and and, and yeah. let that happen and and, and just. Did not stop that process because the default mode network was was pushing through these ideas, and uh, they seem to come from nowhere, but they come from your from your life experience. And so, gaining life experience through travel and reading and 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 being open to new things, I think just just fuels everyone's creativity. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, Simon, thanks so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure and a nice surprise. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we were able to do this and uh, in New York City for a change rather than. Uh, out in LA. Uh, so can you run us through your uh, contact details where people can find you online and all that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, easiest way to get hold of me directly is spl at ord.com. Um, you can check out um, you know, ord.com and have a look at what we're doing. You'll get to see uh, our news feed. Mm -hmm. um, you can't, so did you can't, just can't give get us past there. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get past there unless you Did you're, you just uh, give us your personal email? Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that is you excellent. Wanna, you want to talk to me come that, and talk to that me. is fantastic and that's what we love here at daddy ofm is bring creative interesting people of, on them and, and uh, sit down and have a conversation and now to gain direct access and simon is one of the legends of the fashion industry and i'm I pr i'm proud to have known him for such a long time and i congratulate you well, for thanks, everything you've really done and i'm really excited that. for the future well it's been a pleasure i've been loving chatting <laughs> on daddy ofm <laughs> all right thanks everybody and stay tuned and next week we'll have a new uh, new guest for you and thanks for listening and we'll see you soon but a friend is nowhere to be seen 
Well, thanks for joining us and thanks to Simon Locke. That really was a great show and I can't wait to see the impact that order will have on the industry. A special shout out to all those at Fashion Week in Paris and if you see Simon, make sure you say you heard him on Daddy OFM. Well, the pirate ship is in full sail now. We are now top 100 in the US and the UK, but a special thanks to my home country of Australia, where we are now the number 21 podcast in the fashion category. So keep listening and tell your friends about Daddy OFM, and please go to iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps to get the show noticed. As a special thank you for putting us on the map, we'll have a bonus episode out this Sunday with artist and DJ Chelsea Layla. We'll be hearing some amazing music you probably haven't heard before. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, at jbookalil and at daddyofm. Go to our Facebook page for all the links mentioned on the show. And if you have a comment, a suggestion for a guest, or just want to give us a shout-out, email me at jbookalil.com, subject daddyofm. Well, we all know we lost a great artist recently in David Bowie. And I remember bursting through the gates at the Sydney Cricket Ground and sprinting to the front of the stage for the Serious Moonlight Tour. And believe me, a young lad's mind was blown that night. So taking us out, as requested by Simon, is David Bowie with Life on Mars. Daddy-o out. Now the workers have struck for fame. on sale again. See the mice in their million hordes From Ibiza to the Norfolk broads Blue Britannia is out of bounds To my mother, my dog and clowns But the film is a sad thing for Cause I wrote it ten times or more It's about to be written again As I ask you to vote for some